Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Welcome to the Triple Option. Here's your host, Paul Catalina. Welcome to the Triple Option. Paul Catalina and Jacob Wilson, old friend in today. Steven Simcox uh, has been our Wednesday guy, uh, but out today. And so we, we're adding another host to the rotation. And that's what we're going to keep doing. We're just going to add a host to the rotation until everyone who's in the college football media space, has been a host on the show. Sounds like a good plan. So you're like the sixth or seventh guy. Mm-hmm. So you're re- really at the beginning. I, I mean, I'm glad I'm getting in on the ground floor. I'm a little hurt that it, you know, I'm sixth or seventh in the Rolodex, but I mean, I'll, I'll take what I can get, I d- Depending on how well you do today, you can move up and we can, we can throw you under rotation a little bit more. So, so. it's like tier base, kind of like Scientology or something like it's that? Exactly <laughs> like that. <laughs> I, I took the business model right out of there. <laughs> Just took away some of the... Somehow you know. I'm not going to have any money by the end of all of it. No, that's the plan. That's the plan. <laughs> no. Um, so, Jacob, today got a couple of things to talk about. In the second segment, we're going to go over Mel Tucker replacements. Did a top five about it yesterday, but kind of want to do more long form discussion about who fits that program. I mean, we can get in the weeds about how stupid it is to get fired um, in the way that he got fired uh, in, in just so many different yeah, there, there, realms. There's a lot of different areas of, of discussion that you can dissect with the Mel Tucker situation. Yeah, so, uh, but we're, we're going to go with like actual practical, like, okay, now they've got to replace this guy. And they have a leg up on everybody else just by the fact that they fired their guy week two. Yeah, so, they've got a vacancy before anyone else. Yeah, so they've got a vacancy before everyone else. And, and and maybe $79 million to burn now that they may not have to pay him after firing him for cause. For cause. Uh, so we'll talk about that in the second segment. Uh, and then uh, in the third segment, this could be a make-or-break week for a lot of teams' goals uh, for the season. Uh, and particularly the team I love more than, more than anyone in this room, just to be quite honest with you. And I, I'm very close with all of you, but... Honestly, I'll pick them over you any, t- any day, but they're one of those teams in that. Uh, but first off, Jacob, we are maybe seeing a situation, and this is the last time this will happen because it's the last four-team playoff, but it's kind of fitting in that the SEC does not right now, after 25% of the season, appear to have two teams that are playoff worthy. No, no, you're, you're completely right. They've only got one team in the top 10. That's, that's Georgia, the defending champs. And I think all these powerhouses in the SEC saw a lot of them show their, their vulnerabilities, if you will. Like they, the Georgia, they fell uh, you know, down 14 to South Carolina, a team that everyone thought that, that Georgia would have absolutely no hiccups against. Alabama did not look like Alabama against uh, South Florida. LSU has not looked the same. I mean, Florida kind of confused everyone by beating Tennessee. It, it, it's really, really a kind of a head scratch, especially with the conference expanding next year. It's going to become even more competitive. But we're seeing some kind of cracks in the foundation. Anyone who really doesn't want the SEC to just be the undisputed leader, 
they have an argument for that right now. Well, and look, I, I think that the transfer portal has certainly put a dent in in, in the SEC, uh, in in Alabama in particular, has um, put a dent in them. I mean, it, it seems like everybody's got an Alabama transfer. Now, are those transfers going to help any of those teams win a national title? Well, probably, like, probably not because it's mm -hmm. really hard to do. But that means that those guys are not on Alabama and they have to replace them with yeah, what I mean, this year was just five transfers and then a lot of freshmen. So I trust Nick Saban to figure it out. But nobody is immune to a roster restart. No. Almost everybody. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole transfer portal thing, I mean, a lot of these guys coming out of SEC programs and, and landing other places, they're not competing for national championships. But it is a, a real shot of adrenaline. I mean, you're seeing it at Colorado. You're seeing it at Texas State. You're seeing it at you know, schools that you're, we weren't really thinking about much prior to this season. But, you know, Transfer Portal, it's, it's a good shot in the arm. Yeah, absolutely. It, well, and the other thing is, like, again, everything is cyclical. And the SEC has done a great job of marking itself. I mean, they, they're, they have convinced everybody that they are top to bottom better than every single other conference. And I would say that they are top to middle better but middle to bottom, they're just like everybody else. And they mm -hmm. always have been. And then eventually, you know, those things even out. And right now, look, all the good quarterbacks seem to be playing in the Pac-12 for the most part. That's true. You know, if you, if you listed the top 15 quarterbacks in the country, I would say that seven of them are going to be in the Pac-12 and two in the ACC. And I don't know in the SEC if you would say that there's a top 15 quarterback in that league. Yeah. There, there's, of anyone you're thinking about in the Heisman hunt right now, it, there's no quarterbacks in the SEC that people are talking about. Yeah. So those are, and look, those are the engines that make everything go, right? Mm -hmm. And they're still going to get good recruits, and they're still going to be good. But there was a lot of – and people buy into rhetoric a lot. It's why we, we have a broken political system, because people believe words over actions for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not that hard to figure out what people are doing as opposed to what they are saying, you know. But if they say they're doing it enough, I guess you're like, well, he keeps saying he's doing it. Like, it would seem to be a waste of time for him to say all this if he's not. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I think they bind to rhetoric a little bit, and so there's all that, like, people kind of bought into but ultimately, the bottom line is, like, the proof's going to be in the pudding and, and who wins out and, and wins games on the field. I mean, the th and even if the SEC only has one team, that, that Georgia Bulldog team, that is the contender to get into the playoff and win a national championship, even if Alabama, LSU, Tennessee, even if they completely fall off, have two or three lost seasons, the SEC doesn't really have a whole lot to worry about going into next year because they're adding two of the biggest programs in the country with Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah, absolutely. Now, look, one of the teams that looks to me like a playoff team is going into the SEC, but that does not count. No. They're not yours yet. Um, you know, for some reason, Dat Wynn is all of a sudden an SEC Hall of Famer, yet he – Never played in the SEC. No, actually played some games in the Southwest Conference. <laughs> <laughs> You're dating Before him the, a little bit there. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, so, like, those – like, let's not, like, just, you know, absorb everything yet. And so they are – they're getting two huge brands. That, and, and, look, everything's going to change. The playoffs is going to change. But the rhetoric from the, the one side of, like, well, there doesn't need to be any expansion in the playoff or this, 
because the good teams are already getting in. Well, yeah, because you've set up a system that just feeds them. Mm-hmm. And so if all of a sudden you set up a system where people can eat, then there's going to be more healthy people. Like it's not, you know, do we learn nothing from the Soviet Union? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like this is how it works. So they've opened up the system now with transfer portal. Of course, NIL more feeds the transfer portal than I think it does recruiting right now. Yeah, I mean um, you've got you've got to be but, an Arch Manning or or someone who has that amount of hype in order to get the NIL money that you think about. Yeah. So like, you know, for all the you know, Nico Imaliavas of the world at Tennessee, you've got this ridiculous contract. Like, most of the guys are getting, you know, good social media deals or something like that. And then with success comes stuff like Caleb Williams is everywhere now. He's in the Heisman House. He's in Kentucky Fried Chicken and Dr. Pepper. And I'm, I'm probably leaving something out. But he's, he's actually not that bad of an actor. No, he's not. So Bryce Young was really good, too. He I was. Um, so... In L.A., maybe that's why he has access to all that. <laughs> so, uh, but I like all those things that have have changed are going to upset the apple cart. So there's people like, well, I don't want, you know, um, I don't want Ohio State not to be in this all the time. So since I'm a big Ohio State person, I'll be like, listen, the best teams are already in it. Like, no, no, no you can't take away from me. And it's the argument of, look, you people don't know how to spend this money. Mm-hmm. Like, we're better off with it. So we're, we should have it as opposed to like, well, you know, TCU is not really a classically good program. And because of the transfer portal and, you know, a couple of coaching changes they made that they already had a pretty good roster, you know, they were able to get to the national championship game. Sure. They lost to Georgia, but you know, maybe let's compliment Georgia and Alabama on how well they've been able to do to get all these people together and then realize that everybody else, not everybody else, but most of the other people are doing it the same, are about the same. You know, mm-hmm. you'll peak up, you'll do that. You know, Nick Saban and his hold in the SEC is unique. Unique. So let's not pretend like Nick Saban and his hold in the SEC has anything to do with, you know, Florida or Auburn, who have both won national titles in the last 20 years and multiple ones in Florida's case, but it's been a long time. So, like, Giving Florida credit for Alabama successes, if no. the situation was reversed, they wouldn't want to do the same thing. No, without the success of Alabama, this this propping up of the SEC being at the status that it currently is, it wouldn't be as palpable as, as we think of it as them being the kings of college football. And I think Florida, LSU, Auburn, those those teams, and Florida did it before Alabama really got. Well, Alabama was what killed Urban Meyer. Yeah, eventually. That's what, yeah, that's what got him was was Nick Saban. And, you know, you had to – like, Urban Meyer was outside of his own whatever was going on, his health and whatever, you know, needed a sabbatical to go get more money at Ohio State, whatever it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> so whatever that was, there the, – the hire at Alabama was Alabama wants to be back to who they were under Bear Bryant. Well, the only guy they think it can do that is Nick Saban. And so Nick Saban went and did that, and he not only did it, he did it better. Yep. In a time where it should be more difficult to win because the rules are more difficult to win than they were back in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. So, yeah, Nick Saban was the end of Urban Meyer, and, and then you had other people pop up in between. LSU is the one consistent through the thing where it doesn't seem to matter who their coach is. 
they'll find their way into a national championship. Yeah, they, they still find themselves relevant just about every year. Yeah, and look, if you the only team I would say outside of Georgia you can make an argument could also sneak in a playoff, and it's going to require losses by everybody else because they don't control their own destiny completely, uh, is LSU. Like, if LSU wins out, which would mean winning the SEC championship game, they will be in the playoff. And if Georgia is undefeated when that happens, then that's the only path. But if LSU drops one along the way, then that, to me, maybe even eliminates it because, in my mind, there's no one in the SEC East who's going to come close to Georgia. Now, somebody might jump up and bite them, and I've predicted this for a while, that, look, it's a long winning streak. Like, somebody weird like Kentucky or you know, maybe even Florida in the cocktail party is going to jump up and bite them. <laughs> but do I think that those teams are going to do that unscathed along the way? No. You know, Alabama's already shown that they're going to, like, Alabama's problems are not going to be solved in a week. As genius as their coach is, he's not solving them in a week. He's probably not solving them in a month. So they've probably got a, another loss or so on that yeah. schedule. And Ole Miss is undefeated right now, but they're going to have to show that they're not going to be Ole Miss, you know? Yeah, and I mean – Everyone is curious about Alabama's quarterback conundrum right now. But if you think about it, before Tua Tugvailoa, Jalen Hurts, Mac Jones, Bryce Young, four great quarterbacks, all in the NFL right now, by the way, before them, Nick Saban didn't have to have an elite quarterback to, to be a national championship contender. And so I know it's not exactly a hot take, but I think if the SEC does get a second team in the playoff, it's going to be Alabama because – they're, they're, they've kind of been given benefit of the doubt status. Yeah. yeah, but see, they also can't – like last year, they had that argument of like, well, we've got – like we're so close right here because we lost to LSU. They don't have any conference last... losses yet. That's, yeah. That's, a, that's another point. No, that, that, that is true. Um, I just think the next seven games they play, they're going to – it's really tough. I think, I think they're going to have to lose two – at least two games in order for the – Nailing that coffin to actually be. Yeah. But here's the thing that they were able to do with those quarterbacks like Greg McElroy and Brody Croyle and all that. The people around them were all better. And then the people behind the people that were around them were all better than everybody else you have. Now the problem is, is that that's not necessarily the case. They are not three deep at every position. They might be one and a half deep, which is more than most people are. But they're not three deep at every position right now. And... That was telling the fact that like they can't they couldn't they can't run the ball. Mm -hmm. Like that was the the saving grace of every Alabama team before was they could run the ball. Like, you know what? Greg McElroy's gonna only gonna throw for 147 yards today, and one of them's gonna be a 77 yard screen pass that somebody took to the to the house. Fine. Well, they run for 250. Yeah. And you weren't gonna have the ball. So I, I think that that's where their their problem on offense ultimately also lies in that Jalen Milrow might be fine if anybody else around him could help him, but they don't really have that right now. So, you know, they're, they're going to be kind of stuck with where they are. Jalen Milrow is a fantastic athlete, but can they pivot their offense fast enough to get it to where you can win doing only what he is good at? Mm -hmm. Because that's not what you were trying to do against Texas. No. Can you win doing that before everybody else, you know, maybe jumps out on you? Because their defense is, is okay, but Texas showed that it, yeah. it's, got, it's, got, uh, it's got some leaks, and they're going to play some offensive. Look, a and like, 
I'm not going to say AM is going to beat them again. You know, they've only done it twice. But AM is going to give them a lot more points than South Florida will. This week, Ole Miss is going to give them a lot more points than South Florida will. So even on a bad day, Ole Miss is probably going to score 24 points. Do you have 25 in that offense right now? Not from what we saw last week. That is the, that is the question on Alabama. So, yes, I, I do. Like, your theory is correct in that, like, look, if Alabama even, like, just um, rest up bathroom, like, <laughs> of a season, like, the toilet's still flushed and it's still a functional bathroom, if they only have the one loss when it comes to it and it's two Texas, they will have an opportunity. Because that means they would have beaten AM and LSU and Ole Miss and all these people along the way. So if they maintain, but again, Alabama's put themselves in a position where they can't lose again. Like it's true. They can't lose again. And I just don't think this is a team that's that's gonna have less than two losses based on the offense that we've seen through three games. Yeah. And it makes college football a little bit more fun just knowing that, you know, it's it's a lot more wide open in terms of who's going to get into this playoff because mm. only one SEC team in the top 10, and it's Georgia, and they showed signs of weakness last week. They had to you know, kind of pull their head out of their ass to get past uh, South yeah. Carolina. Yeah, their weak, Georgia's weakness to me is boredom. Like, they, yeah. like they're, they are, and they're not going to, for a little bit, get challenged to the level that, like, I think that they want to. Yeah, and I mean, that, that, that makes them vulnerable to somebody who, you know, is hitting on all cylinders. Now, um, who that's going to be on their schedule, I, I really don't know. I mean, the best team I think they do play is probably Ole Miss based on what we've seen so far. And, you know, Kentucky could be interesting. I think Kentucky has a great coach. Mm-hmm. I like Devin Leary, their, their quarterback that they got from, from NC State. I like him quite a bit. Um, you know, Tennessee is going to be – Tennessee and Florida, I think, are going to, like, be – like, oh, wow, that looked really good this week. And then they're like, oh, well, they, they yeah, look like teams in transition. So t- Tennessee and Florida are the two of those teams that are not necessarily national championship contenders, but I think that they're going to be good teams. They're going to be able to play the role of spoiler potentially. Yeah, exactly. I just I like I don't think that either of them can hang with Georgia if Georgia's having a good – not a great day, a good day. Mm-hmm. Georgia's having a good day, you know, eh, fine. So – you're, you're an SEC guy. I am. You're an I SEC am. guy. Do you – I mean, you don't think that right now, I mean, like there's not a wave of, of teams coming in the SEC that are like they have been in past seasons. No, I think as a general consensus, it's down uh, overall. Um, but I feel like – you know, and I honestly think there's a situation where I do see Georgia getting beat. I think it might even be like Auburn where it's just that old rivalry game that you're not expecting, you're overlooking. You bring up a good point. They're bored. They are bored. and It's going to catch up with them. I legitimately see an opportunity where Georgia gets beat by one of these teams you're not expecting them to, okay? They go, they right the ship, they get to the SEC championship, they beat LSU, which more than likely will happen. And the SEC's left out, dude. Like, Notre Dame is the outlier in this because they are really good. They always get the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. The Pac-12, I think, should get one or two teams. Texas is really good and somebody from the, the Big Ten. I would not be surprised if the SEC – I'm an SEC guy. is on the outside looking in saying, what the hell happened this year? Yeah. Look, the, the Pac-12 to me is the team that – the conference has the, the best shot to get two in. And you – know? <laughs> They're literally on life support. Exactly. As a so like, right, like they save their best for last, you know. 
Yeah, like, it's, it's, look, it's, it's a way the, to go out, the, I guess. The best concert tour before everyone goes to rehab. Like, that's <laughs> that's the one. Like, they're... Only it, difference is no one's coming home from rehab in the, <laughs> yeah. in the case of the Pac-12. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it is so, it's so weird. It's so bizarre that that is the case. But yeah, I think so. Like, cause I think ultimately the ACC is going to be, it's going to have to be an undefeated team. Yeah. You know, uh, or, or Clemson running through, getting the benefit of the doubt. But I, I, I don't think. I think Clemson's cooked. If Clemson, again, we'll talk about the ACC in the third segment. Clemson wins this week, then their their narrative changes a little bit, but they still have to play North Carolina and I believe Miami, so um, that's going to be tough for them. Um, you know, so there there are there are things going on that maybe have swung the tide away. So if it's North Carolina, Florida State, whoever, Miami, that would come to the ACC, they're they're going to have to come out unscathed and probably beating a team twice. That's true. I, so, I mean, the ACC and the Big Twelve are kind of in that same camp where. If they're going to get a team in, they can't have any blemishes. Texas could have one maybe because they're Texas, but even still, at this point on their schedule. If Texas loses to Baylor this weekend, they're not getting in. Exactly. No, they're going to give everybody an excuse to be like, well, they're not back, you know. So uh, if they lose it, if they lose, I mean, Texas's schedule is now almost easier week to week as it goes through, you yeah. know, like, um, and look, Kansas State's already taken a loss and they're, they've really banged up. So who, who's to say? TCU, we're not sure who TCU is yet compared yeah, to last year. They're the first victim of the, the prime experiment. Yeah. And I'm not even, like, putting that on them. I'm not, like, I'm not even, you know, like, that. they scored 42 points. You should win the game. But there, there, there's something different at work on that one. So, yeah, I think that we, we might actually see a playoff that has four teams from four different conferences. And – one of them might not be from the SEC. Like, I don't see that that's the, like, most extreme thing happening mm -hmm. because I think conspiracy theory thinks, you know, they get in the room and go, okay, this SEC team for sure, and let's make the argument for the second SEC team against everybody else before they've even decided, mm -hmm. you know, who the other two teams for sure that are in. Yeah, and, like, and then let's, let's start with our, our uh, favoritism toward the SEC, and after we've resolved that, we can go on to – our second favorite conference, which is the Big Ten. Yeah. Once we get one and four, then we'll work on two. <laughs> you know, not like let's get one, two, and three, and then debate four. Mm -hmm. No, like most, I think people think that they, and I don't know if it's that way, but it, it certainly, it certainly does feel that way when you, th and we, and we asked Kirby Hokut about this, Craig and I had him on the show, and being the spokesman for that, he's like, it is a really thankless, tough job. Yeah. Because you have to, you have to walk out and be like, all right, well, this is what they said. And then you can't really say what you want to say. It's like, look, this is just – we've watched a lot of football in here. We've determined it. We're the expert panel. You know, like, this is how it is. Because you're going to be asked specific questions about it, which you know that you're not going to be able to answer. You're going to be like, yeah, that is a really good point. <laughs> <laughs> we thought about that, and we could I mean, not come up with an answer that didn't sound like we were lying. And if there's so. a collection of rational, level-headed, you know, even keeled people. It's college football fans. And so when you have an argument to make against why their team shouldn't be included in this playoff, yeah, there, there, there's going to be some, uh, some pretty nasty. It's, it's, it's just like a Twitter conversation yeah. in, in real life or, or whatever you want to call it. Now, where I whiffed in that interview with Kirby Hocutt, and it's because anybody who saw it, we didn't know he was calling in the show. Totally random. It we had totally no idea. Random. We got to break. 
And I got a call, and it said Kirby Hocutt on the phone. And I went, what? And so I was like, hello, 365 Sports, it's Paul. He's like, hey, it's Kirby Hocutt, called to my interview. And I was like, okay, let me text the guest that we do actually have coming up here. <laughs> and so Smokey was out of town, so I had to text him be like, hey, do we have Kirby Hocutt today, and you forgot to tell me? Which is completely out of the realm of possibility for him because anytime we get big guests like that, oh, he's we know on days it, yeah. in advance, like we're prepared, like there's nobody who's more prepared for the interview than Smokey. So it's not like anything was gonna happen, you know, different, right? And he was like, ah, oh, I mean, we talked last week to their guy, but he never gave me a day. And so I was like, all right, we'll just roll with it. But what, what I would have asked him, honestly, what I would have asked him is, is it a good idea to even do that show until the last two like not like seven weeks of it or six we wonder how many weeks of it there are mm -hmm. it's kind of dumb because what you say on tuesday when you do it could change on thursday if one of those teams is playing that day or one of the teams outside is playing that like if the fifth ranked team hasn't played anybody yet and they're playing on thursday and that game is somebody even some of that's not there, and they beat them 35 to 6, then you've been like, oh, man, we really took a dump on them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that was just two days ago. Well, now I feel yeah. dumb, you know? <laughs> so you have all that. Like, would you, why not even do it? Like, just wait to the end and do it then. Like, I know you're trying to fill television programming, but you're creating a lot of chaos that doesn't need to be created. Yeah, yeah. And when you're discussing college football on a talk show – and you get an out-of-the-blue text message or phone call from Kirby Hoka, not expecting it. Is, isn't that kind of similar to when the girl you like texts you at 2 in the morning asking if you're awake? Yeah. It was a little bit. I mean, like, we were just like, yeah, we're going to roll with it. We're going to roll with it. We're going to, like, we're just going to go. So, you know, we get the Texas Tech AD, a guy who's been out in front of those cameras as the CFP spokesman. Like, we're going to roll with it. And But it was, like, one of those things where I had no preparation other than other things, like just in my head, you have to go, what have I always wanted to ask this guy? Oh, this. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because he kind of called us out of the blue. When we come back, who should replace Mel Tucker at Michigan State? I'm curious to hear some of your answers, Jacob. I did a top five on it yesterday. There's some people I left out, although there's – this one has got – there's like 15 candidates for this job that make sense. Yeah. So, so whittling it down to five was, was a little bit difficult. But Jacob Wilson with me here. This is the triple option on 365 Sports. If your business is like most, you need things done quickly. But if you're still tying your critical applications together on multiple shared public networks, you've probably been feeling the slowdown. And that's no good for business. A private UPN fiber network can get you and your business moving at the speed of light. Whatever you need, we can build it. Internet, Metro Ethernet, Waves, Dark Fiber. We deliver custom private networks and are focused on business customers only. Our next generation 100% fiber optic infrastructure offers you low latency and ultra scalable bandwidth with speeds up to 100 gigabit to run your critical applications. Your connection won't be limiting your performance anymore. It's diverse and scalable so it can grow and change as your business grows and changes. And with a secure carrier-grade private network, you'll have all the reliability you need. Contact UPN today to learn more. Fast just got faster. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Welcome to the Triple Option. Here's your host, Paul Catalina. 
Welcome back into the Triple Option. Paul Catalina, Jacob Wilson alongside. And uh, I need to use this uh, opportunity to let everybody know that we are, if you're watching the show or you watch the main show, uh, we're going to be in Orlando uh, next week uh, on Thursday and Friday. Thursday, we'll be at Burger U, which should be from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern time, 1 to 2 here. But if you're in Orlando, it's going to be 2 o'clock. And then we'll be at Bounce House Social the show will air from 4 to 7 Eastern time because that's 3 to 6. But we'll be there probably a little bit longer than that doing some fun stuff with Bounce House Social in Orlando. So thanks to Ingenuity Air and thanks to Meridian Capital uh, Homes uh, for sponsoring us on that trip. Those are uh, two companies down in Orlando um, so uh, that uh, are sponsoring the trip for us. Uh, and uh, we're, we're going to have a good time. Jack and I are going down there. So Just you and Jack? Just me and Jack. Just me and Jack. Uh, other people have to be here. I got know. high school football. Yeah. So, yeah. So. Hey, so do I. Yeah. So, there you go. Um, I mean, I've got a feeling that Paul taking Jack down to Florida for a weekend, he, Jack is going to come back a completely new man, going there with the resident Florida man here. Here's the deal. He's, he's kind of stressing out about it right he's now. He's a little nervous. He's, he's a little, little nervous. nervous. He's a little stressing out about it right now. And I'm, like, telling him, like, dude. You're going down to my place. Like, we're not, I mean, not totally. I mean, Orlando's not, like, you're not in Pallahassee for any stretch of the imagination. And it's been a while since I've been there. But, uh, but look, you're, you're in my element. I can, I can speak the language. It's, it's literally <laughs> a different language. <laughs> <laughs> look, I can make sure that you don't wind up in some seedy underbelly club watching an alligator fight. I can He's promise you that that won't happen. That but if you don't fun. go with me, I can't promise <laughs> I mean, that that won't happen. J Jack is going to come back wearing a gator tooth necklace, tank top, cargo shorts, flip-flops. Yeah. I can already see it now. Maybe even an earring, just, yeah. just for fun. Oh, he's, he's going to be a Carl Hyacin character tomorrow. <laughs> I promise. No, <laughs> no that's, that, I wish we could take Emery with us. We can't take Emery Winter uh, with younger, us. He's younger, more impressionable, but Emery, more like, Here's the thing. I can't take Emery, the Oklahoman, down to Florida. And then expect him to come back and finish school. <laughs> Just, you know, have to tell his parents, like, I know he was three months from being done. But, you know, he met a girl in Orlando and she had a tattoo on her back. And I <laughs> he belongs to Florida. <laughs> I don't know. He just, you know, he found it. He found out that. You know, it was assless chaps night <laughs> at the chicken wing hut, and now that's where he works. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> sorry about that. No, I, um, I do, uh, I do uh, think it's going to be a good time, and I hope that Jack has a good time. I'm uh, like, I'm going to tell you this right now because he's not watching, he's not here, he's in his car. Uh, we're going to get him to Harry Potter World. I think we got to get. He, him. he needs to. Yeah, I think he, he, he wants to go to Harry life. Potter World. I think we need to get him to Harry Potter World. So. I think we need to do that. Yeah. Happiest so. place on earth that happens to contain Harry Potter world. Yeah. So, yeah, he's just going to, you know, get some butterbeer in that guy. He can buy his own wand. No, <laughs> 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 yeah, I think he'll have a good time. No. Um, so, uh, Jacob, Mel Tucker out at Michigan State. Um, and now comes the legal wrangling phase of, you know, how much of that money he can try to convince him to get, which – if there's ever a reason to fire a guy for cause, I mean, this one kind of hits it, the bingo. It seems like Michigan State is actually uh, in the right for saying, yeah, we're, no, look, we're firing I also don't disagree with his contention that they might have seized on a situation here 
to get out from a bad contract and done it. But he deserves to be like all that being said, what he did was really stupid. And I don't want a guy who does stupid things being the highest paid employee of my university. I mean, it makes me wonder if the folks down in College Station are, are hoping that Jimbo does something that they can fire him for cause for, because it seems as though the money is the reason why he's still there. Uh, you know, Bruce Feldman did a report this week that if they don't get right, they'll find the money now. Oh, yeah. Like it's, it's to the point of we can't keep doing this. They'll find the money. Uh, I just I – just, Random thought that popped in my head. Figured I'd mention it. No, it's true. They'll, but, like, yes, I know. There, there's a lot of, like, you know, sinister things going on in the world where they're like, well, if you would just send a picture to an intern, <laughs> we would be out from under this. Like, just just one time calling up a girl going, hey, what are you doing later? <laughs> uh, so, that, but um, Mel Tucker has to have a replacement. So my top five yesterday uh, Mel Tucker replacements um, were Matt Campbell, Jason Candle, Sean Lewis, Jonathan Smith, and Mike Elko. It's a good list. Do you have any thoughts on, on any of those guys in particular? I mean, Jonathan Smith, Oregon State, I think, I mean, I don't know how familiar he would be in the terms of recruiting that area in the Midwest, but it would be a good opportunity for him to jump from Oregon State, which is about to be property of the Mountain West, not Power Five, land in the Big Ten in an area where, you know, Michigan State has shown that they can be competitive with different head coaches in the past. And it's also been a pretty good uh, I mean, Nick Saban was there and he was able to catapult that into bigger and better opportunities. Uh, it, but on the flip side, it's a place where you can have stability and stay for stick around for a really long time and what D'Antonio did. And so Michigan state is an institution that really, really needs some form of stability because of what's going on with Mel Tucker. They had a certain situation with a, with a doctor and some gym, gymnasts well, look, a couple years well, look, ago. Mark D'Antonio is back as an advisor and he should not be because he was out because yeah. he uh, got in the way of, of, of some investigations into improper behavior as well. That's true. That's true. But I think what Michigan State should really look for is stability. And Jonathan Smith, he's done a good job of getting Oregon State off of the ground. And uh, Jason Candle at Toledo, he's been – I mean, you have to think about someone in the MAC when you're, when you're talking about yeah. a Big Ten head coaching vacancy because they, those guys, they all seem to know the area so well and have deep roots there. And – I mean, heck, if, if Luke Fickle hadn't have just gone to Wisconsin, that would have been another name that would have been out there very, very much. Yeah. I wonder if Matt Campbell hasn't taken Iowa State as far as he can personally take them. You know, he might have been the guy who built it to a certain level, and then the next guy can come in with some new ideas and take mm -hmm. that to the next level after that. Um, I think but, he, he, he kind of probably should have – he kind of went Ron DeSantis in that he should have struck while the iron was hot. Yeah. Because he's not the sexiest name in college football anymore. No. No. And maybe, look, if he wants to stay at Iowa State forever, like, Iowa State, I think, will have him. I don't think that they'll like, – I think they would, too. Like, the, look, the guy yelling, you're on the hot seat, you're on the hot seat, I, I can promise you is wrong. Mm -hmm. Like, he's, he's I mean, not. There, there is one guy that you didn't mention in your top five who I think Michigan State should really, really go for – I don't know if they'll succeed, but Brian Hartline down at Ohio oh, State. Yes. That's, that's a great. 
I I think that they should be pursuing him with everything that they've got because he has been a key component of the wide receiver factory that Ohio State has become. He's made that offense as the coordinator uh, just so incredibly consistent and powerful, and he knows the area. And it's not he like he's going to recruit. He can recruit, and it's not like he's going to his direct rival, you know, arch nemesis in Michigan. It's Michigan State. You know, it's it, it's like he can go there and be a head coach, add the head coaching thing to his resume for when Ryan Day eventually loses uh, to Michigan enough. Loses to Michigan enough to where they say, all right, Brian Hartline, we like you. You're an Ohio State alum. Come back. I, I think it's a win win for everyone. My only question is how loyal is Brian Hartline to his alma mater? Yeah. Um because he's been a head coaching candidate yeah. previously. This is not the first time his name's no, been. No, I was I was kind of surprised somebody didn't snatch him up this year, although there maybe wasn't the right job for Brian Hartline out there but Michigan State to me they're one of those schools that's like it's a big school it's a bit like spend a lot of money on athletics fantastic basketball school a good football school not a great football school good consistent football school Mark D'Antonio 11 out of 12 years took him to bowl games you know um, and so they have that potential there you know Nick Saban was at Michigan State they've got potential they've got to do this they've got to really do this right in a lot of different ways the one I would worry about hiring Brian Hartline is if I'm hiring Michigan State, I kind of want a guy who I know is going to stay there a while, and I would worry about like, oh crap, four losses in a row to Michigan and Ryan. Like Ryan Day, if he loses again to Michigan this year, that would be zero for three. I think he gets one more, and he could that could be the only game he loses. Mm-hmm. Ohio State could reasonably fire an eleven and one coach because the one. Is Michigan. Was Michigan, and it was. They become so spoiled because since Lloyd Carr left, didn't matter who the coach at Ohio State was, they were gonna beat Michigan. Mm-hmm. Like it was just such a disaster. And then Jim Harbaugh has flipped that script. So I wonder if they, you know. I mean, I think if you're Michigan State, I think Brian Hartline is the best available option right now. Yeah. He doesn't have any whiff of scandal on him. And I think that you get at least two seasons out of him. Yeah. At the that's the worst case scenario if you can manage to lure him to come to East Lansing. Yeah, that's the worst case scenario. You get you get two years. Yeah. So yeah, Brian Brian Hartline. Um, that's a that's a really good one. Uh, I'm going to throw Pat Shermer out there, uh, who is an analyst on Dion's staff, but he's a Michigan State alum, been a head coach in the mm-hmm. NFL a couple times. Uh, really, that seems to be kind of where they're going. You know, like maybe want somebody who's stable like that. I don't know. Like, again, I want someone who's going to, if I'm Michigan State, who's going to take me into 2024. Like, what is what is the now in it? And so that's why a guy like Jason Candle makes sense to me or a guy like Sean Lewis makes sense to me because you're, you're shaking things up. Luke Fickle's running the spread at Wisconsin right now. You know, that um, uh, Ryan Walters at... Purdue has brought in Graham Harrell to do the same thing. So Ohio State's running a wide-open offense. Like, you've got, you know, things going on in the Big Ten that are changing. You're about to have Oregon and Washington, USC Mm -hmm. and UCLA come in, and all four of them are going to run wide-open offenses. So I I think you need to maybe move with the times a little bit. There's one other name that I think it's 
it's a little out there. I don't think it's, it's really being considered, but I, it popped in my head before we sat down. And unemployed Brian Harson is still looking for a new job. And, I mean, his experience at Boise State, I think, kind of fits the, the direction that the Big Ten is you know, shifting in, like you just mentioned. No ties to the area, but I, I think it'd be a wild card, you know, potential, you know, a guy worth looking into because he, he had some stability at, at Boise State. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder some of the four corners jobs that would open up at any time, you know, like if Kyle Whittingham retired at Utah tomorrow, I would call Brian Harson so fast it would make your head spin there. Yeah. He seems to be perfect for that job. Um, like, but, you know, would a West Coast job make a lot of sense for him? I was kind of surprised Stanford didn't maybe. I mean, maybe he's not like. Maybe he's not an intellectual elite enough to coach at Stanford. I don't know. Um, that's not to say I think he's dumb. I'm just saying that, like, there's, like. He doesn't drink his tea with his pinky up. Is that yeah, what you're saying? You know. He drinks, drinks an ice cold beer with there's guys that can, all five fingers wrapped around the can. There's guys that can coach at Stanford. And there's guys that can coach, you know, at Fresno State. It's it's two different things. It's you true. Know? It's, it's not an indictment on Fresno State. It's just what Stanford is. You know, you have to speak to people differently mm -hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just different um so yeah i mean but i like i like brian harson like brian harson brian harson did not get a fair shake at auburn because it's one of the craziest places in the world to be the head coach and when they run you and the ad who hired you out so fast and for different reasons the ad who hired him had a, a scandal of his own making at auburn so they had all that they've had to change right yeah it changed a lot of things and then when the people who were, were kind of like, you hired the Boise State guy to come down to Auburn, were, who were already mad about it, just found the reason to run him out. Yeah. And then we're trying to make up reasons to yeah, run I don't, him out. I don't think about Auburn in terms of uh, a blip on his resume, just because, like you just mentioned, like that's, that's not really his fault. Yeah. No, it's, it, yeah. It was, <laughs> it was like, why couldn't you get, why couldn't you get Westeros straight? I mean, you it could was, not figure out, you know, that, it was kind of like Tommy and Goodfellas when he thought he was going to get made and just get goes into the, you know, yes, and gets his head blown off. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's exactly what it was like. That exactly what it was like. When we come back, make or break weekends, potentially for some college football playoff contenders. We'll talk about that. This is the triple option on 365 sports. If your business is like most, you need things done quickly. But if you're still tying your critical applications together on multiple shared public networks, you've probably been feeling the slowdown. And that's no good for business. A private UPN fiber network can get you and your business moving at the speed of light. Whatever you need, we can build it. Internet, metro ethernet, waves, dark fiber. We deliver custom private networks and are focused on business customers only. Our next generation 100% fiber optic infrastructure offers you low latency and ultra scalable bandwidth with speeds up to 100 gigabit to run your critical applications. Your connection won't be limiting your performance anymore. It's diverse and scalable, so it can grow and change as your business grows and changes. And with a secure carrier grade private network, you'll have all the reliability you need. Contact UPN today to learn more. Fast just got faster. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Welcome to the Triple Option. Here's your host, Paul Catalina. Alongside Jacob Wilson, 
morning of Jacob Wilson, who he is. He's been behind the scenes here for a while. And That's then, right. um, you know, trying to bring him back in front of the scenes as much as we can. Um, Jacob, make or break weekends for certain teams. Um, We'll start with Oregon and Colorado because that's a big hype game because of the Dion train and everything that's going on. This is going to be a huge test for Colorado. I do not think this is a make-or-break game for Colorado. No. Because right now they're already – well, I mean, they're one game better than I thought they would be at their at the best. You know, I thought they would probably be through – through these three games, I thought they might be one and two. I mean, Colorado has already put exclamation points on all three weeks of their season. Yeah. And so – Given their lack of success in the last really like two decades, I think they could probably hang their hats if they just went off and had a terrible record in their conference yeah. this year. But Dion has definitely gotten the ball rolling in a way that's very, very exciting there. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so um, I think, though, for Oregon, this could put you behind the eight ball. In that league. And look, this it's a really good league. Like, they have really good teams. We talked about it before. We talked about it yesterday or mm-hmm. two days ago about, you know, why do you rate, wait to write your opus as you're dying? <laughs> <laughs> Just kind of weird. <laughs> I think a lot of it has to be like, hey, you know, had we figured this out before? Like, none of this happens. Yeah, we could take this tour international. <laughs> yeah, there's just nothing. It's weird, you know. <laughs> Oh, well, you know, <laughs> George Cleophilus is sitting in his house in Montana going, why did I take this job? Yep. I, I, was in, I was in Vegas. It's like Jackie Moon playing for fourth place in semi-pro, yeah. even though it's really for nothing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It, there, there is so much um, crazy about that, that whole situation that, you know, we spent months talking about. But I do think for Oregon, though, if Oregon loses this game, it's a big black eye on not just them, but the conference, like you said. I mean, like, it's going to take them – again, they're not going to completely control their own destiny because now you have to hope – when you take that first loss, you now have to hope everything works out perfect for you around you. You have to win all the rest of your games, and then you have to hope for more chaos around you. And that is hard to do. So, Oregon, a team, I think, that's very much college football playoff capable – uh, and capable to win the, the the Pac-12. But I do wonder about the Pac-12 as a whole. Are they so good and they're so deep that there's no way that anybody can get out unscathed enough to make the playoff where in the tw- like in the 12-team playoff era, I could make a case that three of those Pac-12 teams would make it in a year mm-hmm. in a 12-team playoff. Like next year, if this was next year and we had 12-team playoff already, I'd be like, look, somebody out of the USC, Washington, Oregon – you know, Oregon State, Colorado, Washington State, like there's three of those teams that are going to find their way to the playoff. Mm-hmm. No problem. No problem. Um, I think I just did the German three. <laughs> Good thing we're not in a basement. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, but yeah, the so that there's three of those teams. But now because of the fact that you can't be, you have to be pristine, you know, as soft as a morning dew when you go into the committee, I don't know if they can make it. So this is why for if you really think you can make the playoff, and like I know that Dion is going to believe that he can do anything because he's Dion Sanders and he can. But realistically, that team can't run the ball and can't stop the run enough to make me think that they're not going to have at least two or three losses in that schedule. Yeah, I mean, people don't think about 
Colorado getting a reality check last week against Colorado State because they, they won the they game. They wound up not, but yeah. And it was a very exciting, fun game to watch if you had the energy to stay up until the very end of it. Yeah. I was in Arizona, and it was still very, very late for me, two hours behind where we are here in yeah. Texas. But I think this is where we really get the reality check for Colorado because the only chance that they have of winning this game is an absolute all-out track meet like they had against TCU. Yeah. Because one thing that people don't really talk about, people know it, but it hasn't really been talked about that much, is this Colorado defense is not really stopping much. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a bit of a turnstile in, in terms of what kind of points they're putting up. And I guarantee you Bo Nix at Oregon is going to come with a better offense than Colorado State did. Yeah. Yeah, and look, that they're going to get better. Like everything's getting better and harder for them as this, as the season goes on. But all right, another banker break: Ohio State and Notre Dame. Yeah. Now Notre Dame will get more of the benefit of the doubt from this loss than Ohio State will. Although I think it may not hurt either one of them if they go through the rest of the year unscathed. But Notre Dame actually has the better quarterback in this game, uh, and that wouldn't have been said in any previous. Notre Dame-Ohio State matchup, including what they played a year ago. Mm -hmm. uh, and Notre Dame played really well in that game and, like, defensively, but had no offense, and C.J. Stroud and his merry band of, you know, wide receivers just had to have a couple good plays mm -hmm. to win that game. And I think they did – I think they, Ohio State returned a fumble for a touchdown in that game too. But uh, was, that, no, was, that, was that the one that was, like, 10-6 to 6 or 13-6? to 6? It, it was, was – it was not that exciting of a game. Yeah, it was watch. not that exciting game. I think it'll be much better this year. Uh, Sam Hartman, I think, changes changes the script yes. for Notre Dame. They have a very efficient running offense. Uh, Ohio State has a freshman quarterback that, you know, has now claimed the job in Kyle McCord. So we'll see how that goes. But this one it could be make or break for them because you get the loss here, and now maybe your goals have changed. Not changed, but have become harder in that one. I mean, one. these are two blue blood made men in college football going at it and i it's not as it's going to be exciting because it's a you know a battle of two very powerhouse teams a lot of history but ultimately i don't think it's as make or break as you might just because the, the loser of this game it's not going to be that ugly of a blemish on, at the end of the season when it comes time to argue their case for the playoff contention because you know it's that loss, oh, it was the Ohio State. They're Ohio, they're Ohio State. Yeah. Vice versa. Yeah. So, but, again, it kind of may, maybe changes, depending on how it goes, who you really are. You know, maybe you're not as good as you thought because you can't. To, to be elite, you've got to beat the elite. True. You know, to, to do that. All right. And the other one, and the one that I, um, 11, like, at least it's 11 o'clock in the morning, so before I have to come and work here on Saturday, I can cycle through all my emotions which there will be many, uh, but Clemson and Florida State. This is – I cannot stress enough how important this game is to Mike Norvell and Florida State. If they do not win this game, they could even, like, go out and win almost all the rest of them, if not all the rest of them. But if they don't beat Clemson, then all the hype that came to them – leading up to this year, and then in the immediate aftermath of the LSU game, in my opinion, is completely washed away. Because if you can't unseat the king, and Clemson is the king of that conference right now, it's another year 
where you have to figure out how you can beat Clemson. And if you can't figure out how to beat this Clemson team, this one, that's as down as they've been in a long time and vulnerable as they've been and still good in a lot of regards, but not what they've been. If you can't figure out how to get Dabo now, I don't know when you are. You know, and, yeah. I, and I'm a big Norvell believer. I think that Florida State's on the ascendancy. This is in no way going to change anybody's idea about his stability and his job. But in this particular season, if your goal is to get to the college football playoff, the only way you do that if you're Florida State coming out of the darkness and not winning in Clemson since 2013, which that one was a pants-down spanking led by Jameis Winston, if you don't do that, then, then the goals for this year are almost gone because now you have to play so perfect and so dominant for the rest of the year, and you probably won't get another shot at Clemson because somebody else will beat him again and knock them out of the ACC title game. You will always have that hanging over you. Yeah, it's actually a disadvantage to Florida State that Clemson is not what they were with Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson. They have that you know, really, really ugly loss to, to Duke, of all people. Granted, Duke is on the upswing right now, but it's still Duke. It's still a basketball school. And so with Clemson not being regarded as they once were, yeah, Florida State really does need to win this game, and it would help them to win it convincingly because – that loss looks a lot worse if you don't beat Clemson and get the monkey off your back that it's been on there for 10 years. Yeah. Look, they, I think they haven't beaten him in nine years. They beat him in 2014, but it's like, so that was the last time, but the last time they won in Clemson was, I think, you know, that when you lose to someone nine years in a row, it feels like much more. I rounded up because I think that's how sports fans feel. That's how I look. That's how I feel. Like there were in there, there've been little blips in that. Like the last couple of years, Florida State's had these moments against Clemson. We're like, Ooh, okay. Could they, could they do this? It would be so big. And then when the moment to actually, like, you know, grab the brass ring comes, it's like, it's like the, they're like, what? Yeah. Missed it. Superman you know. saves you from falling, and then he drops you from higher. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That is what they did. So this, to me, for Florida State, is make or break. Garrett, I'm not being too fatalistic here, am I? No, it's literally like uh, listening to my thoughts on LSU and Alabama. It's almost the same exact thing where you can't get over the hump. You're always like right there behind. You're nipping at the hills. You have all the players in place, but it just never works out. And when you, to me, when I think about this matchup, um, I I think it's big for Florida State to kind of stick it to Clemson and get the dub, giving how Florida State embraced the transfer portal and went balls to the wall and all of their store their stars have come out of the portal whereas Dabo's been like no that's evil we can't touch that thing like just go out yeah. curb stomp him let him know maybe you if you want to be where we're at and where we're about to be for the rest of Norvell's tenure you better embrace the transfer portal or you're going to be looking at us from behind for the next decade yeah look um when Florida State joined the ACC they immediately owned it like they were there for 10 seconds. We're like, we own all this. You know, this is ours now. And owned it for a long time. And now Clemson has been the team that has owned it. And there's only two teams that have been relevant in this league, and it's Florida State and Clemson. No offense to anyone else. Miami has not won the league or even come close since they joined it. So, you know, that, that's, that's out. Yeah, people forget that Miami's reign, they were in the Big East at the time. Yeah, so they're, they're not, they're not a, a, like, 
they're on the upswing for sure. And Florida State has to worry about that later in the year. But this one right here, this is about slaying the dragon. Yeah, you know? I mean, you say that Clemson is the king of the, the uh, ACC. I somewhat disagree because I think that that crown is very much up for grabs right now. Well, I mean, look, they're the reigning king. Like, they're the ones who've been for the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. Well, look, since Jameis Winston left Florida State, Clemson has been in control of the ACC. Now, save a couple years, Pitt won, Wake won. Like, save those couple years. Since that time, Clemson's been totally in control of it. Totally in control. And FSU has a chance to kick Dabo while he's down. And they need to do it and, and reclaim that crown of the coolest place to be. Like, that's the other thing that I think they're making work for him. Like, they're making it know that, like, Tallahassee is, like, one of the cool places to be. Mm -hmm. And, like, you have to make it cooler than Clemson, South Carolina. Like, that's what you have to do if you're Mike Norvell. You have to do that. And the other thing you have to do if you're Mike Norvell, and he knows this, I, I, I believe, and I don't think he coaches with this completely in, the, in his mind, but in the back of a lot of Florida State fans' mind is, okay, well, the minute that he falters, all they're going to do is, is make that offer to Dion and say, let's make it all good. We should have hired you in the first place kind of a thing and bring him in and bring that hype train into Tallahassee where it started. So, so many glorious years ago. But, <laughs> it, like, the, he coaches knowing that, like, there is one dude that everybody has in mind. I do think, like, com to compare it to you here at home, I think a lot of Baylor coaches were always worried about Mike Singletary. Yes, yes. Like, you know, like, oh, you know, Mike's the best player who's ever played at Baylor. He's a coach now. Everybody wants him, yeah. you know. I mean, Ke Kevin Steele and Guy Morris, they, they, they probably uh, had that Mike Singletary cloud drifting over them. But, uh, yeah, that, it's definitely worn off. And that being said, this Dion hype train is way, way more intense than that ever was. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just a – well, I mean, look, Mike Singletary is like a quiet – I mean, he's not quiet, but he's like a pretty reserved, buttoned-down person who gets intense when he needs to. Deion Sanders is a legitimate rock star. Like, that's, there's a difference, you know. Yeah, he's got Lil Wayne on the sideline in Boulder, Colorado. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Mike Singletary wouldn't, like, his old, he's so old school, he wouldn't even think about that at all. Like, it wouldn't be a thing that he would ever even occur to him. Like, hey, we better, you know who should come to this game and hang out with us is Offset. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like I'm going to get Jake Plummer. An Arizona State legend to come and wear a Colorado jersey at this game. That's how cool I am. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, he got Dwayne The Rock Johnson to come, and The Rock has no connection to Colorado. And I believe he is a Miami alum, a yes. rival of Prime's alma mater. Yeah. And look – he went out there and, and partied in Colorado with all the other stars. Like, yeah. Well, part, part of that also, let's face it, The Rock needs a bump. He's in one of his dip periods, so he needs a bump. A bump of what, Paul? A popularity. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. He's, he just needs, I just mentioned uh, Miami, so yeah. I just had to clarify. No, he just needs, he needs a little bit of the, a boost. We'll call it a boost. Okay. I, and look, I, I got to be careful with the word boost nowadays, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> so I like Rogers might not have a torn Achilles if he had a boost. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Joking so, people. Yeah. So no, they like he needs 
He's going like he's going to do another movie with Vin Diesel, <laughs> a guy he said he would never do a movie with again. All right, let's not let's not pretend like he's not in a little bit of damage control because the one guy you would think could make a superhero movie work didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, who should he play? Any superhero he wants. All right, pick one. Black Adam. Oh, that didn't turn out good. Nope. <laughs> you know, so you know, like that's that's where he is. He's going back to WWE. You know, I like. Two out of three of us in this room enjoy the work of, of Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I do not. I think he's a fraud of a human being, like Tim Tebow. I mean, whether or not the, the muscles are, are enhanced by uh, steroids or not, he's still freaking huge, and he's still like one of the most famous people. Look, here's on the deal. I would, I, I, I've always wanted to meet the Rock and talk to him, and I have many questions for him. But I do think that this is – and look, you have to do – like, nobody's immune to this. You know, mm-hmm. like Clooney's had to do this, you know, like, and, and that guy's as untouchable as it gets, right? Like everybody's had to, like, you have a couple dips and you're like, all right, well, you know, like if George Clooney, like the next time he decides to do a movie, if it turns out bad, he's probably gonna have to do Ocean's Infinity or something <laughs> and, and make it all better with people, you know, Michael Keaton paid Batman at 68 years old. Yeah. Like, again, there's, yeah, I was, I was just thinking like, yeah, Prime is so cool that he gets... Dwayne the Rock Johnson to come out, but uh, apparently he's no look. It, look, it's all De- it's totally all Dion. Uh, but there are people going to come out of the woodwork and ride that hype train because they know it benefits them. Yeah, but that train stops when they lose. Not maybe not dead in its tracks. No, and look, they like this is a lot. Like Dion's doing this really quickly, but he's also not dumb enough to think that this is going to be. He's going to win a national championship in, in year one. Mm-hmm. Like, he can have the confidence that he can build a team that can compete, and that's true, but this is hard to do, and you're about to run up against – again, there's some years in the Pac-12 where I've been like, you know what, maybe he might win this thing because this league is not good. Like, two years ago, if they had done that in the Pac-12, you're like, oh, well, no one's really that yeah. good. So, you know, but now, like, everybody, you know, he's got to play Caleb Williams and Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr. and – DJU and those things are gonna like it's gonna be it's gonna get harder. It gets yeah. exponentially harder for teams. The road gets bumpier throughout the season anyway. So um, I just say we just enjoy it. Uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Happens. Paul. Yeah, I'm enjoy the ride. Look, I'm gonna enjoy the hype no matter what. All right, that's gonna do it for us. It is uh, oh, it's 2:01 p.m. We went one minute longer. That's special for our good friend Jacob. So we'll get Jacob back in here. He's earned a, a spot in the rotation. You know, on the, on the on the on the level, uh, like my, we're gonna get you to full clear. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> level. I'm level three right now. I got to get to level seven before I can be clear. Yeah, Garrett. Garrett <laughs> will take your your first deposit on the way out. Where's yep. my Where are my cans? I got to get audited here. <laughs> yeah, so he'll take your first deposit on the way out, and uh, later on you'll meet Tom Cruise. But that's a, that's way later on. <laughs> he will come to your kid's birthday <laughs> for five minutes. <laughs> that's, okay. that's okay. So all right, that's gonna do it for us. This is the Triple Option Main Show at three o'clock. Earl Campbell on today. The Tyler Rose, the great Earl Campbell. This is three sixty five Sports. If your business is like most, you need things done quickly. But if you're still tying your critical applications together on multiple shared public networks, you've probably been feeling the slowdown. And that's no good for business. A private UPN fiber network can get you and your business moving at the speed of light. 
Whatever you need, we can build it. Internet, Metro Ethernet, waves, dark fiber. We deliver custom private networks and are focused on business customers only. Our next generation 100% fiber optic infrastructure offers you low latency and ultra scalable bandwidth with speeds up to 100 gigabit to run your 